Hello and welcome to another episode of A Green New Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Green, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and twin brother, Connor Green. Connor, say hi to everybody. You know, I'm really uh, thinking we might want to get some guest hosts so you can stop calling me lovely at the beginning of this. Uh, like, um, it's just second nature. You know, I did the uh, Red Sox and Filtered podcast for so long. Check it and out, that's yeah. how I would introduce um Is that still on Spotify? Uh, it is still on Spotify. It, there hasn't been a new episode since like 2019, but it's on Spotify. It's it's on a ton of different platforms, iTunes, um, a lot of things. Our podcast is on Spotify and six other platforms. Um, iTunes we're working on, but yeah. So um, if you're listening to this, you obviously know what platform we got it on. But yeah, Spotify is probably the most easily accessible way to listen to us every week. Um, but yeah, we got an exciting episode for you guys today. Um, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking, um, into the weeds of, of different policies. Last week we went over the, uh, Georgia voting law ad nauseum and the week, and the week before the infrastructure bill, or I think we did both last week. And then we talked about the American, um, rescue plan, the American jobs plan. We've, we've done it all, but today we're going to be more focused on, um, some kind of contentious issues that we have internally, some issues that are very galvanizing right now, and I think it's going to make for a hell of an episode, Con. Are, are you ready to dive into this? I think I'm ready. Okay. So, um, the most pressing things that is on the minds of a lot of people, and it has been since about, um, you know, the beginning of 2020, um, has been the coronavirus, COVID-19. While the vaccine effort has been ramped up in the U.S., and now 34% uh, of people have at least one shot in, in the U.S., um, COVID cases are starting to tick a little bit up. Now, some people are resistant to call it a surge. Um, there have been models that show from like different, different like mathematical models that map projections for coronavirus cases. There have been about half that say we are going down. Um, the other half that says we're in for a surge. And, uh, you know, the middle ground is that it's going to be a plateau. But I think a lot of people are expecting some sense of a fourth surge. That's the sense that, you know, people in the media are getting. Public health experts are kind of warning. Um, the CDC director said she is terrified a few weeks ago at the prospect of a forced surge. Um, Michigan is having perhaps its worst outbreak yet. They had about 8,000 cases, new cases yesterday. Hospitalizations are going up. Um, in, the, in the Midwest, it looks like the UK variant is strangling right now. Um, and that has, you know, could have broader implications for the rest of the United States. It's a race between getting vaccines in arms and um, battling these variants. So, Connor, I want to know, do you think a fourth surge is imminent in the United States? Yes. I mean, all of everything we're talking about, less so with cases, but with hospitalizations, with deaths, those are lagging indicators. We are seeing surges across the globe. I mean, Europe is a lot of a lot of countries in Europe have to go under another lockdown. We're seeing a lot of surge surges across South America. We're seeing it in Brazil, particularly, which has been hit really hard by it as well. We're seeing it in countries like Chile, which have done a really good job with the vaccine distribution effort. But even the countries that have done a great job with the vaccine distribution effort, and you could probably count the United States among those countries, 
we are nowhere near herd immunity. Like we are months away from reaching herd immunity, and that's an optimistic take. I think, given the trajectory of cases, which is on the uptick, the fact that we have roughly sixty-five thousand cases a day, I think that we're going to end up with a surge. I, I don't know if you saw this, but it was a couple days ago. I think it was either the CDC or the FDA announced that the UK variant was the dominant strain in the United States now. So B one one seven. That strain is more infectious, and it's actually deadlier and worse for young people than the original COVID-19 variant that was spreading in the United States before. So I am very concerned. I am optimistic about the vaccine distribution effort, but I just worry that just like in Europe, just like in a lot of countries across the globe, that we are going to see one last final fourth, you know, horrible fourth surge, probably not as bad as the one the third surge back in winter, because that was 200,000 cases a day. That was almost that was also an outlier of a surge. So if we're trying to define surges by that last surge, then no, I don't think we're going to reach those levels. But the first two surges, I don't have the exact numbers, but they were not as high as 200,000 cases a day that we had in December and some parts of January. So I I do I don't necessarily I, I guess maybe not imminent because that would imply that I have some kind of foresight. That you know, even pand- even experts haven't you know guaranteed there's going to be a fourth surge, but given the relaxing of, of restrictions in states like Texas and Mississippi, given you know even I mean Wisconsin had their mask mandate struck down by their Supreme Court, we're also seeing pandemic fatigue, right? I mean this has been over a year with COVID dominating our lives. I think people are beginning to feel more optimistic about COVID. I recently saw a survey that found that fewer Americans than ever are concerned about getting COVID as this new, more infectious strain begins to dominate the United States. So again, it's not inevitable. It's not necessarily imminent, but I I think it is fair to categorize this as a fourth surge already. And 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 I think the the reason why you, it's it's safe to call the fourth surge is because people are going to take it more seriously if you call it a surge, right? The debate of plateau versus surge it's 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 just semantics, and I think the surge w- would encourage states and individuals to be take this more seriously and and hopefully reduce deaths and the transmission of the virus. Sure. Before we hopefully get on the other side of this thing. Sure, but I also cautious that like you know we're talking about is or is it not an actual for surge not what would be a better messenger and and i think like yeah messaging like this shouldn't be the time to rip away mask mandates i mean we should have mask mandates in place until like there's like negligible coronavirus cases because it's such an easy thing to do um and there you know a lot of businesses are opening up at like full capacity i don't i don't think that that's wise in a lot of places i think it is a little too loose especially when we're so close to the end of the tunnel but i you know i I, i'm not sure where this is going to go i think if you asked me a few days ago i would have been more optimistic but the u.s just you know we hit 85,000 new cases yesterday, 81,000 the day before. So we've been ticking up from the 60,000 to 70,000 that we had seen in the past few weeks. We bottomed out at, after like that third surge at like 50,000 cases per day um, in the beginning of the vaccine rollout, the, the end of that third surge. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are so many vaccines getting in people's arms. Again, like I said we were at 34%. Um, of people and there are at least um, in the next week or so like 
50% of all adults um, are, are scheduled to get their shot. So I think that's really good. I don't think that's going to reach us at herd immunity. But if you're at like 50% of the population, uh, this is of the adult population that, you know, can't get it, I, th I think that might, you know, levy the, the effect of the new variant. And I also want to say, you know, coronavirus is debilitating. You know, there's a lot of really horrible, harrowing long-term effects and that we don't even know the surface of. But um, in older groups, in like 65 and 75 and older, the most vulnerable um, and the most likely to succumb to death and serious illnesses, not, it's not just 34% of them vaccinated. Like It's like 65, 75% of them have already gotten the vaccine and, and it's growing. Um, so I think that kind of gives you hope that, you know, we may have a higher caseload, um, but not necessarily show up in the, in the deaths and the hospitalizations. Um, but again, like if Michigan's any indicator, um, because usually how these things go is it's kind of like a regional thing, right? Like in the beginning of the first surge, we had like that big northeastern um, COVID barrel through there. And then it spread out west and then it spread to the south. So that's that, that's what experts are worried about. But I'm not ready to call it a fourth surge yet. Um, I think with vaccines and hopefully, you know, we're still seeing this incredible case load in like the Midwest and the Northeast. But I think we've also seen some seasonality with COVID. And in those places, the temperatures are still pretty dang cold. It's harder to congregate outside and do the activities outside. Um, in the South, by contrast, like, I mean, it's been warm since March. So we've been able to do things outside. And you haven't seen that big spike in cases in Florida, in Texas, in, in, in Mississippi, in other Southern states that you would expect with, with their um, lessening of, of restrictions and mask mandates. But you're not seeing those spikes and people are resuming life. So I think there's a seasonality to it. Hopefully that will abate the effects. I, I don't I don't think we can call it a fourth surge until it's actually a fourth surge. You know, I, I, I want to be optimistic about this, but it is really scary and people need to take precautions. They need to sign up for their shot. Most states are opening it up for everyone. Yeah, you can go on Twitter. You can find resources. You have to do the research and, you know, soon it'll be available um, everywhere. And I think we're getting to that point really soon where the supply is going to outpace the demand. Um, bad note on that, though, J&J um, &J shipments are expected to like be cut significantly in the next few weeks because the big Baltimore plant where they had that screw up when they were putting the wrong ingredient into the J&J &J, um, tubes, they have not been authorized to resume their um, supply chain distribution. And that's where a lot of the J&J &J vaccines go through. So J&J &J so, in a few weeks won't. won't yeah, uh, I saw that, too. And I guess I just have, I guess, three little rebuttals to that so first of all how concerned are you about the I, and i don't know if they're fully published studies but the reports that the new variant b117 the uk variant that is now the dominant strain in the united states it has more severe effects for young people we're seeing not just a greater percentage of young people being you know hospitalized in terms of like the number of hospitalizations but the sheer number of young people who are being hospitalized has increased sure and, and so that's number one. And, and number two, I saw uh, there was a poll that found that roughly still a quarter of Americans are, are hesitant 
to get the vaccine or are very or, or have indicated that they do not plan on getting the vaccine. That would be enough to prevent us from reaching herd immunity if herd immunity, if what is required for herd immunity ends up being what Dr. Fauci said, which would be like 80 percent. And that's not even mentioning kids, right? I mean, I think Pfizer recently applied to have their vaccine eligible for 12 to 15 year olds because the study found that it was very effective in that age group, which that is a very encouraging sign. You know, the vaccines are beginning to be tested on children, which is a very encouraging sign. But again, the fact that we see these other variants seem to be, you know, more severe for young people is is very concerning. And the fact that it is just more transmissible, I think, means that you know, I think the, season, the seasonality is a good point, but we haven't had, I don't know how long we've had this B117 as a dominant strain. I, I'm i fairly certain it was not the dominant strain last spring. So I, I think it's kind of foolish to project what the, that, that the seasonality is going to take care of it, even with a new, more transmissible strain. And then well, the third thing I, I just wanted to kind of put out real quick is, you mentioned 34% of the population is vaccinated right now, which is a very good number, right? I mean, it's one of the highest among you know, nations with large populations. But that 34% number can also, I mean, that also applies to people who had COVID who were experiencing long-term mental health issues. There was a report published by The Lancet that found that 34% of COVID survivors, not just people with severe illness, but people even with moderate and mild illness, were experiencing mental health issues, including depression, anxiety. There, there were elevated rates of dementia, although it's hard to say whether or not that is just like a, an, an error in sample size. There were increased brain hemorrhages. So the, fa- the, the thing is, again, whether or not to actually call this a surge, like whether, like if, if, if we had to make a definition of a surge based on purely a scientific, I guess, assessment, maybe this isn't a surge yet. Maybe the surge isn't inevitable. But again, to me, there is no point in, in, in mincing words. And I think people being more cautious is much better than them being too lazadaisical. Because I still don't think people fully grasp the seriousness of COVID-19, not just while you have the illness, but the potential long-term ramifications. And I think no. that that is something that needs to be put out there. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be like, like trying to scare people into their homes. But I mean, just... I mean, people reporting significantly less mask usage, and some of that is repealing the mask mandate in a lot of states. But again, I think thinking of it as a fourth surge, messaging it as a fourth surge is just so much more helpful. Because again, if we get into the nitty gritty, maybe it doesn't necessarily qualify as a fourth surge yet. Maybe, you know, it's not, it's not imminent. Maybe it's not inevitable. But I think by, even simply by calling it a fourth surge, and my messaging it as a fourth surge, even if that reduces or increases mask use or, you know, people using proper social distancing by 1%, even if it does it by a couple people, and even if it encourages one state to put back into place mask mandates or some kind of restriction, it's going to be worth it. And again, I, I just don't like the idea of mincing words when we really don't know, and this new variant is really scary. And no, and I, I don't think, you know, if you don't classify it as a forced surge that you know, necessitates, oh, you know, I can take off my mask and... But I think that's what some people are, are seeing. I think that's but, but, but some, I, some of the rationale of some of the governors, some of the... Well, I, I think the southern states... But Connecticut relaxed business restrictions because cases were going down and because right. they haven't put back into place those those restrictions, even as we see caseloads rising and even as we see hospitalizations rising. 
which I believe includes Connecticut. It's most of the Northeast. I don't know if Connecticut is one of so, the states. I imagine they are. But it, we're seeing – it feels very similar, I guess, to last – the second surge last summer where it was not as severe as the third surge, which we have not, we have not experienced anything close to the third surge. And I don't think we're going to get there again. I, at least I hope so. But, you know, it was like pocketed very severe pockets of COVID outbreaks. I think in, in, in the last, the second surge, it was in the South. It was, I think in, I think it was in California, some of the West coast. So I think we're seeing that again in the Midwest and the Northeast. And I think the thing is, People travel in the United States. They're going to be going to other states. It's going to be spreading. I mean, we saw a massive spring break in Florida, and they had to put into place very strict curfews there. I think we're going to probably see people returning to their homes and doing the same thing they did last year, which is spreading COVID-19, you know, taking it with them from Florida, which is one of these states that's seeing a surge. And, you know, I, I just think that it is... You know, again, the debate over whether or not scientifically to call it a fourth surge, I think, is an interesting one. And I think it's certainly a debate. Like, it's not clear cut. But again, I just don't see any benefit of not class- classifying this worrying rise as a surge. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, again, like, I mean, if you want to message that, but I mean, I think you have to be honest to, you know, the people. You have to be honest. The, the honest states. assessment is that oh, again, up. yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. You can you can. So the the honest assessment is that we have these new very very worrying variants. And the vaccination and distribution effort. Yes, and the, that is being messaged. That's being messaged by the. Well, CDC. then why is mask that's use being messaged then why by the, is, the White House? Why is mask because Connor, but, but like, why uh, but are people? At, why are up, states but relaxing business in, restrictions? In red states, right? It's no, yeah. not just red states. Don't for just say red states. Yes, it is. Connecticut re- can, again. Connecticut lifted its business restrictions. Yeah. There are other blue states that are opening up businesses, and there are other blue states that are relaxing restrictions. It's not just the masks. The the number one area that spreads COVID has been found to be restaurants. Closed restaurants have been the number one places where COVID has, uh, or one of the top places where COVID spreads. And you're seeing states, blue states, red states, you know, purple states, all move towards relaxing these restrictions. And so that's concerning. Do you think that these 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 governors are being too too ahead? That they're yes. they're not. Moving yes. with caution, like what yes. would you, what, what to you, if you were the governor of state, what would your policy be on, on so opening up businesses? You have to follow the science. I think one of the worst things has been, it just seems so arbitrary, right? I mean, schools, I mean, studies have shown that schools are not hotbeds of COVID infections or spreading of COVIDs. So when you keep schools but, but closed, also, also that's when you keep the schools, variant too, right? but the B117 variant is for young people. It's not children. Children still aren't seeing increases in hospitalizations. They are actually seeing an increase in young children, cases. elementary yeah. age like, children. Like, like I have not school, seen high school kids, but that's always been the case. We've and there are some elementary schools, it, like, elementary schools. It looks like anecdotally, maybe. So yeah. maybe with the B117, but again, for a long time before B117 was the dominant strain. Schools were not a hotbed of infection. Schools should have been opened before restaurants and bars. The fact that we had some states opening up restaurants and bars before schools was just, it was honestly, it, it was abhorrent. And it was a lot of blue states. And, it was, and, and, and some of it was because of pushback by teachers unions, which are a lot more powerful in blue states. So, and again, t- again I lo- I'm very supportive of unions, very supportive of teachers unions. But unions are designed to look out for the interest of the workers, of the teachers. And it is in the interest of teachers not to go back to school. 
but it, it, it was clearly in the interest of the community and there was relatively low risk for schools to reopen in person, given the effects that remote learning has had in exacerbating disparities and in making it harder for adults to return to normalcy and to return to work because they have to provide health care for their or child care for their children. I agree. Right? I, I, I mean, agree. I, I think agree, you need to I, follow I the schools, science. And I think up. that a lot of times it's been drawn by like, it's been driven by business interests. It's been business driven by the economy. It hasn't been driven by what is safe sure, sure, or what sure, is good sure, for sure. the but, community. But like, I mean, like an obvious point to point out there is, I mean, I thought schools should have been opened up more quickly once the data was behind that it was a very low risk um, activity. But I the think thing Israel is, has schools open through most of the pandemic. Sure, sure. And there you can very do, little spread in you Germany. Can do, you can do school online and it did exacerbate it's not good it's not good it's not good online learning is bad hold up but you cannot you cannot do a restaurant from home you cannot keep a business open you can you can do drive-thrus you can do pickups you just don't allow people in the restaurant you can can, but that that, that cuts businesses and I, and I mean, I get schools we're getting off topic here okay to answer the three questions you put out, and we've had so much, I don't even remember them. It was about the B one one seven variant, the the concerning long term effects of COVID. So, and, yeah, yes, long term effects of COVID. I, 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 I the, the, there is very concerning long term effects of COVID, and we're on the, again the tip of the iceberg of what that is. COVID is a very scary short term and long term illness. That and everyone should take as much precaution as possible. But if you're following the science, then the science says that people who are fully vaccinated are incredibly, not incredibly, but very, very low risk of getting the virus, almost no risk of dying or serious illness. And they are basically at a negligible level of risk for yes. transmitting the virus. The vaccines are incredible. I agree. I agree. But if you're but, fully vaccinated and your staff is fully vaccinated, why shouldn't they be allowed? Because your customers aren't fully vaccinated. Because your customers aren't. I didn't say outside restaurants, but they opened bars and restaurants sure, before sure. they opened but, but like, schools. But like if we're following the science of being states. smart about the science, um, that I should be the last that, thing like, that reopens. should be opening up places for people who are vaccinated, because by all indication, it is safe. This will segue into and our these next businesses, and, and, and like I, I think there should have been a better safety net for these businesses put in place. I think the the Paycheck Protection Program was was pretty good in delivering that, but it, it was shoddy. Everything. It mostly went to large businesses. I mean, it was shoddy. Yeah, that's not true. I, I mean, in the second installment, it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten it's better since the Biden administration took over and they've had better oversight. But it, 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 it like towards the end of the Trump administration, it, it was getting better. There I mean, was some it did, marginal it did provide like a significant made. relief. It was better than not having it at all. I yes, agree. And, I, and I'm and I'm not saying like it wasn't 100 efficient a social though. safety net for um the service industry but if vaccinated people are safe the risk is super low i don't see why you shutter down your your but it's not just economy. vaccinated people if that are going to these third restaurants, of them right? are about to be vaccinated no and i agree probably most people you know i mean obviously they've been going for a while and it's a lot of the unvaccinated people some of the people i would say a large amount are ones who probably might not even get the vaccine as i said 25% of americans in the most recent poll still report vaccine hesitancy i'm not sure if you're going to get 
And that so would prevent us from reaching herd immunity. And I'm not that sure if you're going to get herd immunity. immunity. That's what I'm saying. So, so then there's going to be a fourth surge. If we don't reach herd immunity, there's almost certainly going to be a fourth surge. Not necessarily. If you have 60, 70% of the population, why would there be a surge? I think you would go down significantly. If 60 or 70% is shuttered from getting Are we going to get that before the the numbers continue to rise? I mean, we are already seeing a pretty stack. Well, not you're, like not a, gonna get, you're not going to get that before, like, before or after a fourth surge happens, right? Yes. You're not going to get that, but I'm saying like if you want to achieve herd immunity, like at some point it becomes COVID levels are hopefully going to be so low in the United States because so many people are vaccinated and it's going to be harder to transmit because so many people have the inoculation. That's going to be like, okay, what is an acceptable level of risk for coronavirus? It's not zero, right? It's not till we completely eradicate this thing that we have to, you know, stay inside forever. What is that risk for you, Khan? What, like, what, 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 what is that number of cases or deaths per day where you think that so, things can get back to, 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 to normalcy? Not fully. Masks should be there as long as COVID have to be around because they're so goddamn easy and you should be mindful about social distancing. These are things that should still be implemented. But like, when is it going to be like you're going to give the, the green light for, you know, businesses can open up at 100%. Uh, businesses can open up at fifty percent. Like, where where is that level for you? Well, not when cases and hospitalizations are rising in the country. First of all, so that so right now it would not it would not be right now. It would be it would be after herd immunity. It would be after we got herd immunity, or after we got close enough, like we reached the plateau with vaccinations. But, but well, what if we don't reach herd immunity? I don't think not herd immunity. Reach. Yeah, not not necessarily herd immunity, but it would be once we got at least at least fifty percent. But at least, once we started plateauing with vaccinations, and that kind of would become the status quo. Right, so, and that's clearly so not the when case you say now. Plateauing, like, like there's an argument that we're at a plateau too right now. In vaccinations is what I'm saying. When we have a plateau in vaccinations, the vaccination rate is, is skyrocketing. As you just mentioned, 50% of adults are signed up for a vaccination. You know, was it this weekend or this week? I'm signed up on the White Monday. House said this weekend, but I think estimates have said probably just like the next week or two. Yes. So, I mean, I'm signed up Monday. So, the anecdotal example, a lot of our friends are getting it. When you have vaccine vaccinations start to plateau when you don't see a rise because that indicates that there's some portion of the population that is going to be really hard to reach and take a longer period of time. Then I think it's okay to start having that conversation about opening up, especially if we see cases and hospitalizations. But do you, do, do, you have, do you have a number in your mind? Like what is, what is an acceptable level of risk? Like, you know, flu is not nearly as deadly as COVID and like even mincing that is terrible, but we live with a certain level of, of flu risk and a certain amount of people dying every year from the flu. Like what is that number for you where it's like, okay to, you know, so I think I think it's a personal thing. So life. once I'm vaccinated, I might feel different. Obviously, I start the vaccination process on Monday. Once I'm vaccinated, I'm going to feel a little bit lighter. But I mean, most people still are not vaccinated at this point. Like a, a large majority of people, especially when you factor in children, are not vaccinated. And a lot of people are not going to be vaccinated for months. So I think that it depends on whether or not you're vaccinated. But again, for me, and this is just from personal experience, I had COVID. It was one of the worst illnesses I've ever had in my life. I had a you know a hundred one ish degree fever. I could barely get out of bed. There were nights I went to bed and I thought I, was, I legitimately was going to die. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I lost my taste for months. I still don't taste normal. Every morning I wake up with a crippling anxiety that I'm going to lose my taste. Every time before I eat my first bite of a meal, every single day I worry that I'm not going to be able to taste. I have so much anxiety surrounding COVID. I mean, I, I, I wasn't an I wasn't an anxious person before COVID. It's I mean, understanding. I know you've anxiety. struggled with anxiety. You know, I I'm not that. I wasn't that anxious of a person. 
I have never experienced these types of like long-term symptoms before, like in terms of anxiety, my skin crawls at random intervals. Like the idea of taking my mask off makes my skin crawl unless I'm like in a room by myself with a closed door. I mean, it's, it, it messes with you psychologically and mentally. And like it, for me, I think the, 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 the standard of relaxing these restrictions hundred percent and and getting back to mostly normal are much higher than they're going to be for most people. And I get that. And I get if you haven't had COVID, it's not going to be as scary. I get if you didn't have a severe case of COVID, you're not going to be as reticent or reluctant to, to go back to normal life. But I, again, I mean, I would like to, you know, I guess, I guess a good, a good kind of marker. I would like to start law school. I start law school in August in person. I hope the vaccination effort allows us to get to that point, And I think it probably will. I'm very, I'm optimistic about the vaccination effort, but again, we the light of we can see the light at the end of the tunnel for the first time in a long time since this really thing that this, since COVID began we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and the thing is the light is not at a fixed point. What we do affects where that light is. Every time, like you can think of it, like with, I think of it personally. Every time I go out without a mask, every time I don't wash my hands, every time I increase my chances of getting COVID or transmitting it, the light moves back a little bit. And I think everyone should think about their personal behavior in that way. You, you have some control over where that light at the end of the tunnel is, over when we finish this thing, when we get through it. So, it, again, just you have to – I think we should have a clamp down. We should have a shutdown for a couple of months until we get back to, like, high vaccination levels, until we get to high vaccination levels. I... And then once we reach there, then we can start opening up. That's the smart thing to do. It would save lives. It would prevent the transmission. And most importantly, it would, it would reduce the chances of new variants popping up in the United States. And that's not even to mention the global, the fact that we're seeing glo- the COVID spreading across the globe in places like Europe and South America, and that new variants are going to develop in these countries that the vaccination effort is not going as smoothly, right? And that's also horrifying because if, if a variant comes along that can kind of outsmart the virus it's going to be, you know, really scary, especially if it's more transmissible and more deadly than COVID. So I would say, I think the best course of action, if I was a governor, I would clamp down for a couple of months. I would reopen schools because the risk of transmission is so low and such a big thing. And I, I, But I don't, I don't understand why people need to go to restaurants. I don't understand why people need to go into movie theaters. Honestly, I think you can wait a couple months until it's safer, until we're not seeing but, cases rising. But hold up, hold up, hold up. But, but I, I feel like you're you're just thinking like schools are the only place where no, the not, risk is very low. Sitting outside at a restaurant yes. when it's within your own pod and the waiter is sitting inside of masks, restaurants. Your mask, They're not sitting outside of restaurants. They are sitting outside restaurants of restaurants. Are op- but the restaurants are opening up for in, indoor seating too. Yes, but but a lot of them have been going to outdoor seating. I mean, we have we know people who go to outdoor restaurants. I personally have not been. I have not been in a restaurant in the, like the last eight months. I have not like you know. I don't go anywhere besides work. Yes. Like I, yes. I mean, you and I have lived this you know COVID experience a lot differently than some other people. We've taken like every precaution. We double mask. We 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 distance. We don't hang out with people outside of our pod. I just like I I feel like. A complete shutdown, you know. Well, not a complete, not a total shutdown. Surge, but like what we had, sense. what we had in the beginning of COVID, where you went to restaurants, where, you got takeout. Where, where no, like, malls we could, we, could, we have schools like a, open because we have better data, and we could still try to. I mean, there's there's still online shopping. There are things you can do. There are businesses, ways that businesses can make money. But, but jobs that would inevitably be lost. And that's why you need to have a better. Saying, that's why you need to have a better safety net. 
And, I mean, I think, like, uh, obviously the UI in the beginning was incredibly generous. I don't think that's the case. I think the simplest yeah, the solution is, and I don't understand how you Pay people to stay home. I don't know how you think about this, and, like, you're super concerned, and you want to shut down, and you don't agree with a vaccine passport. It doesn't make sense to oh, me. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll no, get no, to no, that but, but this is a good transition, because I am someone who is pretty, you know, I, I'm optimistic about the idea of a, of, a, of a vaccine passport because COVID is such a severe, you know, it's such a severe event for people and it's so deadly and it's so ugly and the long-term effects are horrible. Coronavirus has, should be taken a lot more seriously than it, than it has been. And this, people have not been listening to the science. But now the science again says that if you are vaccinated, it is very, very low risk, almost not, not completely negligible, but super low to the point where you can go to restaurants, where you can go to a movie theater, where you can travel domestically and internationally. But why not wait until everyone but, 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 until if you're we vaccinated, get closer to herd immunity? I don't understand. Because that's privilege. Because the people who have been is, vaccinated are overwhelmingly white, they're overwhelmingly college educated, and they're overwhelmingly they have higher incomes. So what you're saying is we're going to restrict access. We're we're going to restrict. You're here to to sit here and having the the, the financial support you have to say, hey, let's shut everything down. Millions more jobs. I had had COVID. Sure, sure, but that doesn't mean you're not COVID. Other people would get it and they they could get it worse than I do. Other people don't even have health care. I would rather lose my job than die. But the thing is, if you are vaccinated, you are not going to die. There's a 99.9% you're not not going to die. We're more likely to die of the flu or a car accident or any of these things. And you're making me sound like a Republican right now, and I shouldn't. But the thing is, I just don't understand how you could not believe in a vaccine passport if you think we should shut things down. So can I I explain myself? Can I explain myself? Hold up. Let me speak. It is true. That we have been way too fast and loose with regulations. There should have been no repeal of any mask mandate ever. But I think that the the loosening of restrictions of businesses should reflect a vaccinated and safe society. You should not do that in place of these other measures such as social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing. That should be a part of, of, of different kind of inoculation layers. And a lot of places and businesses are following that. It's we're not in Texas. We live in North Carolina. There are rules in place for these it, businesses. It, it, it does follow. feel like you're like really hammering a lot of I mean, again, a lot of red state governors have done a bad job, but it feels like you're really trying to paint this in a partisan way. And it, and there is a partisan element to the mass mandates and to the business restrictions and to how serious people take COVID into the vaccine hesitancy. But again, I feel like just to act like it was just a red state problem is just so misleading. It, I didn't act like it was just a red state problem. I, I okay. don't know where you got that from. Well, because every time you're like, we're not Texas. I mean, Texas. They. I mean, they don't have. They have. They have. Regu- they have some. Well, I was saying in terms of like businesses Math are not required to you know add those extra layers of protection. If you see videos, yeah. I mean, the thing is, there are places in North Carolina where they're packed like sardines and no one's wearing a freaking mask. But there are a lot of other places that take it seriously and i don't think they should be penalized uh, wholly for the fact that you know somewhere there's a there's a bar pack with so many people and and the thing is i think the vaccine passport especially for someone as cautious as you and i and think that this thing needs to end and to encourage other people to get the vaccine so we can actually get rid of this thing. Because if 25% of people, Con, are right now not willing to take the vaccine, how the hell are we ever going to reach herd immunity? And I know you want the risk of COVID 
to be, and it should be to a, like a 0% chance of transmission and deaths, we are never going to reach that unless we incentivize people to get the vaccine. These people are deeply skeptical. And the thing is, you don't implement the vaccine passport until it's widely, widely available. You go to underserved communities. You have That's going to take mobile, so long. You, and it's going to be, gonna it's going to be, long. it's going to be a moot point probably at that point. It's going to be moot. I don't think that is true. So, I don't think that it's true. And for more luxurious things like going to the Barclays Center, as we talked about earlier, I mean, I don't see why that they wouldn't, you know, require proof of vaccine or a negative test or, you know, antibodies to get in. It doesn't have to be a vaccine. But, like, I think that the way we beat this is to incentivize everyone to get a vaccine, to wage a public health campaign like never before. Right now, the people who are getting it are the people who are most willing to get it, the people who are most informed well, about it, uh, people uh, who uh, are more uh, likely to be in a and who have the research tools to actually get it's a vaccine. It's not the people who are most willing to get it. It's people who have the most time. It's people with the most time and, 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 it's not. And, it's not based on their and, willingness and to get it. who really want to get it. I'm sure there are a lot of people who really want to get it who just don't have the resources. I mean, that you, you I question agree, their but desire like, to get it. Con, there are a lot of places where the supply is starting to outstrip demand in certain states like Missouri. So I agree. There are a lot of like, res, like you know, there's there, there's a digital divide. There's a resource divide. And we need to work to do this. Right. And North Carolina, I think I saw an article where they just uh, went into um, one of the big correctional facilities here and delivered it to like 3,400 inmates. And but is every state going to do that? Do. And the thing is, I'm not sure, but I mean... No, like, the answer is no. You don't even have to guess. The answer is no. I don't believe that's true. There's responsibility on the localities. It's not just like Greg Abbott's like solely in charge of the vac. Is, who every, gets a vac is every town and city going to do this? Again, the answer is no. Uh, but I, I think that there are going to be there. There is going to be a point where you reach. But again, like I don't understand. You're, you're you're calling. It doesn't make sense to me as someone who's so cautious and wants us to end. The smartest thing to do would to be require a vaccine passport so we don't have to completely lose all these jobs to completely like cripple uh, these people's livelihoods and these financial livelihoods of these people. The way to do it is to let the vaccinated because it's so low risk. You know, go out and do these things with. All those layers of precautions and then incentivize those who are not vaccinated to get a vaccination so we can get back to freaking normal. So can I just – again, I think – I feel like you're a little bit misrepresenting how I feel about vaccine passports. I agree with the idea of vaccine passports for international travel. I think countries should have the ability, especially if they don't have high levels of vaccination, especially if they're like lower-income countries, to say we don't want people traveling unless they've been vaccinated or safe proof of a COVID negative test. International travel is a luxury that most people aren't going to do for a long time, and I have never internationally traveled, and that's not like something that you need for life. The problem with a vaccine passport is that it is up to businesses whether or not they decide to implement it. And I'm okay with some businesses. Like if a, if, if a sports venue or museum wants to implement it, I think that's fine. Or if you want to have like a special section for vaccinated people where they relax social distancing rules, I think they're doing that with the Charlotte Hornets. I think that's a good thing. But the problem is when I start hearing, like, I, the Kroger's is considering it, implementing a vaccine passport. That's a grocery store. That's a necessity. I agree with right? that. Now, that should not, that should not but, but the state. But if you, if you have an international database, if you have COVID, pa if you have these passports, you can't restrict which businesses can and which businesses can't if, if you're the government. You, you just have to hope they're going to be generous. And the, the fact of the matter is the economic incentive is going to be there. 
because most of the people who have vaccines right now are are higher income. They're the people who are generating most of the revenue for stores like Kroger's and for a lot of these places. They're going to try to make it like exclusive for people with vaccines. It's going to be a marketing campaign. And the people who miss out on that are going to be people who don't have it. There are huge racial disparities, income disparities, and educational disparities right now for the COVID vaccine. And that's going to be the case for the foreseeable future, likely. And I hate the idea that it is going to cut across that it's going to be some form of racial discrimination that you have to. And, and, and the way they're, 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 they're trying to set up the passports now is using smartphones. Not everybody has smartphones. Not everyone has the, the, the technological ability. Did to, you listen to the uh, argument episode this week? Yes, but I also did you, but that's, did, but that's, did that's you, what they're doing. Yes, but but I mean, the guy who's in charge of um, you know making that software to make those vaccine passports happen also said that hey, if you don't have a smartphone, there are op- different options out there for you. It, not you could for have every a state. Of negative it's going to be depending on the you state. Could, you could have, it's a it's gonna, and it's also going to be the discretion of the businesses. Because again, sure, Biden has come I, out against COVID vaccine passports. The Biden administration has come out against using it. For inside of America, at least. I don't know about international travel. And again, it's a different conversation. But again, I, I know that the proof of negative COVID tests, but the proof of negative COVID tests would be on an app. You show it on an app. Everything is on an app. It's all based on a smartphone. If you look Which at also New York, can be printed, but I agree. That, but the New York's like, I'm Excelsior. Not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying, again, I don't agree that vaccine passports should be used in grocery stores. And I think you are jumping the gun that you think it's going to be used in all grocery stores. Kroger I worked said at that they're considering. I worked at Target in the beginning for months. So what's, what, what is an okay place to have vaccine passports? What? Because we can't dictate it. It's going to be up to the businesses. The government's not going to dictate it. It's going to be up to the businesses. Connor, I How can you guarantee that people are not going to lose out on the ability to go to the grocery store? I guarantee you that not all grocery stores will do not that. Not everyone, but if you if you only live near Kroger's and if the, the closest grocery store you can go to is 30 minutes away and you don't have transportation, you might die of starvation. I mean, you might. Right? I think I, I think you are blowing it out of proportion. I don't think it'll be implemented for some time until everyone has a chance it. to New get New York already a has vaccine. a vaccine passport. It's voluntary, but they already have it, and there are some venues that are already requiring it. But like these are like ve- venues of, of luxury, like Barclays Center, like we talked about. Like if you're getting into a basketball game, that's not a necessity, no, right? Necessity. That's a huge. That's a huge chance of a super spreader event inside. Have a freaking vaccine if you want to buy a, you know, whatever it is, an $800 ticket park for 500 in freaking Brooklyn. That If you're going to a, bar, a Brooklyn's game, you already have, you know, you're probably privileged. And you probably have had the privilege of getting a vaccine. Get a vaccine if you want to do that. But I don't think grocery stores will implement it. They're not going to no. implement it at, like, food shelters. That's just ridiculous to think that that's how far it's going to go and to, like, believe at this Kroger's point how it's going to go. Kroger's said that they were considering implementing vaccine passports. There have been other and I'm sure there have stores. been other grocery stores who have come out against it. I, 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 I don't trust businesses. I don't. I don't trust – because if they have your information to your health information and if it's – again, you say the COVID negative test is an alternative. But, again, that is on an app. It is on a smartphone. Most in in New York, it is you have an app, you have a, you have everything on there. If you don't have a smartphone, you're shit out of luck. If you don't know how to work it, you're shit out of luck. If you're bad with technology, you're shit out of luck. 
If and 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 to me that just makes but, me uncomfortable. It again, does. they're only requiring it for like these these luxurious. And, who's requ- oh, so so when you talk about who's requiring, it's not the government that's requiring it. It's these businesses. It is totally up to the discretion of the businesses. So if you trust the businesses to get this right, then by all means. Registered as a Republican tomorrow, but I don't fully trust the businesses to to, to handle. Oh this. my God, I'm sure Republicans would freaking fall over in glee if businesses said you. No, they wouldn't. They would hate that. They, they would hate that. But it's it, but but it would be consistent with that their is values. Completely antithetical. But it would be. It would. It, that, it, that, you can't just you register as Republican tomorrow. Oh my God. But it is consistent with what their values at a time, at least their espoused values, used to be. Of course, they've they've gone back on a lot of that, and we found that a lot of that actually wasn't what the reasons for their values weren't actually the values. It was there were other. My values is you should make it as safe as possible to enter luxurious spaces. And I agree with that. that. I agree with that. But again, the problem is you cannot. It's going to be. And maybe you can regulate it. I don't know, but I I don't think you can. I I think you're, you're you're thinking that this is just. It's like a private business. All, Can a government all tell one private said, business? Hey, we're only serving vaccine uh, vaccinated individuals tomorrow. That's not going to happen. Not tomorrow, but it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen in a week. We're at most probably going to get seventy-five to eighty percent of people vaccinated. You but think twenty-five percent of people don't that want twenty percent of people are not going to be able to get groceries? So even if that's insane, well, insane. you don't know, but you don't that's know. Insane. And you're, like, you're, you're putting your trust in businesses. Know. Intuitively, you no, do you know. don't. Kroger said they're considering it. This isn't just. I'm just not. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Are they considering it for customers, or are they considering it for their own employees? Customers. And well, even the employees, that. I would be a little queasy about. For the, I mean, again, if they can get that facilitated for them. But again, if you, and 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 look, I have as a personal experience this. My girlfriend's. My, I guess my girlfriend's parents, my my girlfriend's mother, she has a pre-existing condition. She wants to get, she wanted to get the vaccine, but she was having a hard time setting up an appointment because it takes technological savvy to set up appointments. Hold I up. took an hour and a half to set up my appointment. Again, I said that they're not going to do this until it is widely available. And you, you talked about it this is- article. I t- you taught you said that the Kroger's was considering it. I just typed in Kroger's vaccine password on Google and nothing came up. So I don't know where you're hearing this. Grocery Where'd you hear this from? Store, grocery store vaccine passports. Give me a second. I I, I might be I might be uh I might be kind of dragging progress through the mud here. I think it might be a different grocery store. I'm checking. What the hell, man? You, but, but they could use it. Oh, hold up. Yeah, hold up. I found it. I found it. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. You 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 talk about something. You 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 you, you do something here. <laughs> I just. Look, and even, you know, it, Dr. Fauci indicated that it would be about, you know, 75% of the population to get herd immunity. 23% of the U.S. population is children. And no vaccine has been approved for children ages 12 to 15, hopefully soon with the Pfizer. They just, you know, submitted, you know, approval from the FDA for that. And hopefully, you know, it looks 100% safe for them. So hopefully that will happen soon. I apologize to Kroger's. Um, it I cannot find anything about that. I think I heard that on a podcast once, and I don't know if the source probably, is reliable. Probably, probably listen to the Bulwark or Left, Right, and Center. No, it, it, I think it, I think it was Left, Right, and Center. Honestly, you, can't um, ju- you just can't, Con. You're, but, but, you're, you're talking about this situation. It could be used. Happen. It could be used. It could be used. No one's considering it. That's the I, thing. I guarantee. I would bet. I would. I would bet a million dollars. I would bet. I would bet. I would bet a million dollars. 
think the Barclays Center is considering it. Yeah. A freaking I would bet. Chain. I would. I would. I would bet a million dollars that grocery stores are having those internal discussions because if they're available, any business is going to be able to do it. No right? one's having that internal discussion. I guarantee it. They I all are. Every business is. I don't trust it's, businesses. I don't trust businesses. Grocery stores. You're not going to cut off. Tw- I mean, from a business standpoint, you're not going to cut off twenty percent of people who shop. And grocery stores, yeah, they don't close any. They didn't close during the pandemic anyway. I don't know, Pat. I, but it could be. It could be. They could use it. Oh, Do you support that? 100%. No, I don't support that. I said I didn't support that. But at that but point, no, you would be putting a lot of trust. You would be putting a lot of trust. This is a Republican conspiracy theory you're latching on to to get to the logical stream that is completely illogical. But again, when are when are when are these vaccine passports going to be put into place? Because they can't be put into place now because it's not it's not wide, the vaccine distribution isn't widespread. It's going to take months to make it equitable and to sure. actually give everybody a fair shot to the vaccine. I feel like you know at that point it's a different discussion. Also, we might want to edit out the part of me saying that about Kroger's because that could. Connor, you said it like twenty times. We can't edit that. Out. Just every time I say Kroger's, just delete no, it. I'm not going to edit it out. That could be legal liability for the Connor, show. No one listens to this podcast. No. Anyway, <laughs> I apologize to Kroger's. I have I have issued a fact a fact check. I could not find an article about it. I think I heard about it on a podcast. Let me. I'm going to do some more research, but no, um, we'll do it later. Yes, Kroger's has not issued that at all. That is completely false. But now I think it's time to move. Oh, okay. On. Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll correct myself. Hold up. So let me just. Two articles. They're they're offering their employers a hundred dollars to get vaccinated against COVID. I think that's <laughs> what so different. And, and... The, okay, I, I just I, I need to I need to put this for the record. What Connor was actually referencing was Kroger's was offering its employees a hundred dollars to get vaccinated. It was Which misinformation is the I heard. Most from altruistic the thing you could do. Yes, it's good. Model, it's good. It's good. I apologize to Kroger's. Model. I apologize to Kroger's. Everyone <laughs> shop at Kroger's. For public health, right there. Yeah, Connor, I, I, I think you latched onto a Republican conspiracy theory. But it could still be used. It could still be used. And the point stands. I register as a Republican. I think you could just take the L on this one, bud. No. Well, I still don't support the idea. I don't know when it's going to be feasible. And again, you can't if you can't be if, if if the information is out there, businesses can use it for nefarious purposes. There's a reason why we restrict businesses' abilities to access employers or their employees' health information. Oh, you you think they're going to give it to life insurance companies? I mean, they could. I don't. I don't know. I don't like the idea of everyone having to like carry around like documents proving something to like have access to basic necessities. I don't like that idea. That's Let's smart. Just, you have a smartphone con? I said smartphone. You got a smartphone con? We both have smartphones, but not everybody does. Social media. So how could so our, our father Social doesn't have a smartphone? How could dad, dad is vaccinated? How could dad get into places? What do you mean? You he can have literally a print. At but that's not what New York is doing. New York is requiring, and it's for luxury things. But they're requiring it. Too, Con. I would look that up too, Con. I would look that up too because I'm sure if you don't have a smartphone and you have a printed copy of the same You're going to have to print out a vaccine every time you want to go somewhere. Why not just keep the freaking paper? What are what you going to do? Look, I, I don't know. You I, carry I, credit cards everywhere. You carry your driver's license everywhere. What's different? 
But they're not accepting vac- I believe they're not accepting vaccination cards because there's been a lot of problems with counterfeiting. So I think they're only re- accepting you it. You counterfeit it's on, the on an app too. It's I mean, harder to counterfeit on that. There's counterfeiting for uh, you know negative tests for COVID. That's going to be really hard. There's never not going to be that, right? And that's just like a low percentage that you're going to have to accept. It's not going to be 100%. But, I mean, you carry a driver's license every time you drive. Everywhere you go when you, you, know, when you buy alcohol, you have your ID on you. You have tons of different cards on you. That's not to you. get in the store. That's not to get access to something that is a necessity. That's I mean, I have to show my ID when I get into a bar, right? You don't, Already. But, but, and if so I don't have it, I don't get in. And again, that's a luxury. A lot of people don't have a photo ID to get into a bar. Yes. But and should we you say, hey, you know what? This could be an equitable problem. You know, we should let people in without a ID to show that they are aged into a bar. That doesn't make any sense. I don't think already, I'm against opening up bars, period. You already do it. And you know what? I think as we get you know longer in, if they start implementing vaccine passports, you know, they should give that to you, a paper copy of it, along with um, your vet when you get your vaccine. I, I, I have good. zero faith because, again, you're doing it's not like there are going to be states. I mean, there might be some states that have like a mandated one, but we already have our cards, right? I think those could serve as somewhat of a vaccine. I passport. don't have a fucking card. You haven't got it yet. You That's what I'm card. saying. I don't know what it's like. You get a card. You've probably seen this on Instagram. You get a card. They mark down the time. They mark down the the first shot. They mark down the. So if that's what you can use to get in, then I have a different. uh, Then then I might change my opinion. I don't see why you couldn't. When I get my Krispy Kreme donut, Krispy Kreme is you know made it. You can get a donut every time you go through the drive through every day. Wouldn't that be up to the discretion of the businesses? Like they could choose what to accept because again, it's not the federal government. But I think that's the most equitable way to do. I I have like this zero faith in big business. I have zero faith in business. Zero faith in big business. Exist. I have no faith in big business at all. I have zero faith. I, I, I trust almost everything more than businesses. They are a, a lot of them are evil. They are. I mean, I'm not a, disagreeing with that. You don't but, even like capitalism. I don't know what this is. I Connor, I don't know what you're, you're, you're. I don't know why you're getting so defensive. Def- I just don't like the idea because it, it could result in discrimination, right? And I hate the idea of people being going in circles here. We're going in circles. But I know, but I don't like the idea of discrimination. So I hate the idea of discrimination. The difference between us. But I also hate the idea. Okay. I, I, I hate know. the idea of people, you know, spreading COVID and killing someone. I hate that idea. I do and too. I think this is Which is why I think we should shut down get... things until we have a sufficient amount of vaccination. So, so, so like, if you, you would be a terrible governor then, because That's you would fair. you would sacrifice millions of jobs when the easiest solution would to be, you know, having some sort of vaccine passport to get in restaurants to so these people can keep their freaking jobs. I don't understand. Well, again, I don't think people should lose their jobs. I think the government should provide a safety net, and it should like, I mean, again, unemployment insurance, the extended unemployment insurance. There are a lot of countries that, and, and that's not how our, our unemployment insurance works. But there are a lot of countries that pay the, the businesses to keep that they paid businesses to keep workers at home, so they and didn't she, lose their jobs and they were being paid. I mean, the U.S. did a decent job, and like, I, I, and I don't say this, like, the U.S. did a decent job with their social safety net unemployment in insurance. Wake, yeah. Uh, with unemployment insurance, six hundred a week was pretty generous on top of the stimulus yes. checks. I mean, I mean, this is like. To make up for years of, of, of injustice with social welfare, but uh, and it was it was necessary given the circumstances, but it was a pretty generous safety net, and like I think people uh, are you know criticize the U.S. rightfully so 
But like compared to even other countries, the U.S. you know didn't do a terrible job with social safety nets. And I don't know. I feel like the the incentive for people getting vaccinated and being protected is, hey, now you can expand your circle of freedom. You can do the things that you've waited a year and a half to do. You can go to see your grandparent in a in a long term facility. You can hug your grandchild. Like I I I, I think the vaccine should start to lift some weight off the shoulders instead of saying, hey, we are going to be boxed in for this. Uh, we're going to have a whole new shutdown, which not to mention the political implications that Democrats would freaking get smoked in 2022 and voting rights would be chipped away at. We'll have oh, because that's not happening that's now, cool. right? Like, that's, that, that can't that's happen. That can't happen when a Democrat is in the White House, right? We're not having 200, what is it, 300 voting restriction bills. It's a state issue. It's a state level issue. It, Obviously, you're you're going, going off the thing here. but You're like, going off the thing. You're talking I'm about voting rights. Like I said, like broadly, like how horrible that would be if Joe Biden said, "Hey, all these states have to shut down now." If you pay people, and it so would, and the bad. federal how government not, no, 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 like that shouldn't be the number one concern. The, the, the federal not. government I'm couldn't do that. That would be unconstitutional. Concern. But the states should be doing it. Is what I'm yeah, saying. but I mean, the same for the governors. Same for the governors. If you paid people to stay home. Anyway, we are going to switch topics, um, because. That was a lot. <laughs> was a lot. I apologize to Kroger's. Maybe we'll edit out some of the portions about Kroger's. Some of the portions. We are not editing. How many times anything. did I repeat that though? I feel like I already repeated it like fifty times. We'll see what it. We'll see what it sounds like after we. Uh, edit if, that if you're sitting here editing it. I am not doing any of that. That's fair. And 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 you shouldn't, Connie, because it's not a big deal. I know, anyway. but I don't want to go to. I don't. I would not want to incur any legal liability again. I apologize to Kroger. It was, it was wrong. Her. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. In global news, we're going to briefly mention that for the first time, um, and the largest amount of um, Russian troops are gathering at the Ukrainian border since 2014, since the. Um, the Crimea, um, annex of Crimea. So it's been a while and, um, yeah, it's, it's terrifying that, and, and, and like from all indications, um, it's not really clear why this is happening right now. Why so many Russian troops are gathering. Well, actually it is clear. I don't know if you, if you, if you, if you read into it, but I believe there is, I think it's Russian speaking nationals in a certain region of Ukraine. Are, be, are like they're kind of like separatists and they've been like escalating attacks and they've been battling with the government of Ukraine. So as those attacks have escalated, Russia has gone to the border. Well, and Putin I, has talked about potentially potentially to the New York Times article, they don't know why. Some people think it's even in response to Biden's sanctions um, to try to put pressure on the US and to try to create more more controversy. But I, I, I'm not sure that could be the case. Um, so that is an ongoing situation that is worth watching. Um, I think the world knows what happened in, in, in 2014 and, and the continued aggression that Russia has tried to chip away at Ukrainian sovereignty. So it is definitely something to keep an eye on. And it is something, you know, with a leader as erratic as Vladimir Putin um, to definitely be, be wary of. Um, and then the other big COVID news, the AstraZeneca vaccine. You know, this has been used widely in most of um, all the COVAX countries, the the more um, 
the more impoverished countries have been using this. Um, the UK has credited for its vaccine boom. They have been the most distributed vaccine in the world. And AstraZeneca is falling from grace heavy. It's already had its ups and downs with the EU. It's had its ups and downs all over. But now AstraZeneca is said to have been linked to rare blood clots. It's not a lot, but it's enough that the European Union um, issued um, an alternative for people under a certain age to get it. The UK, who have been using it, said that they will offer an alternative vaccine for people under 30, which could dampen the UK's torrid vaccination pace. They have 47% of people with at least one shot. The AstraZeneca vaccine is completely effective against the B117, not completely, but you know, it is just as effective as the other strain. So this could have broad implications for the world. It um, was the most widely available. It was credited for inoculating the most people. And I'm not sure if this is a good thing. Um, obviously, it's not a good thing, but I don't know. Do you think that these um, countries should be shuttering down the requirements for AstraZeneca and lessening its usage in the population, Con? So I think it's a, it, it, it's a really tough call because, again, I think as you mentioned, I mean, still the health benefits and the benefits of being inoculated against COVID still outweigh these anecdotal reports of blood clots and it has been i think linked I, I don't was that by the united nations they're not anecdotal it was um no it was the eu eu um commission well, the, the number is still like extraordinarily small like, it's low it's very very low. like over 99 i i, I think this is right like over 99 percent are not going to have blood clots right it is extraordinarily rare that being said i understand why like an individual would prefer not to take astrazeneca especially after this study right i mean if I don't, I don't know how you would feel about this and you're already vaccinated but like if you we're in one of these countries. Would you rather take an AstraZeneca vaccine within the week, or would you would you opt to take another vaccine like a month or two after, like later? Uh, I think it's a very latter. good question. It's a very tough question. It is I a very think, tough question. I, I I think the risk of COVID is so much greater it than is. the negligible risk. It's like what one in three million of a rare blood clot, and I think like scientists were delightfully surprised that, you know, to this point, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, there have been no really bad side effects. Because a lot of the times with vaccines, this happens. And it's horrible. Blood clots, though? Blood clots, no, but there have been serious yeah, side effects, serious illness, effects. serious death. I don't know. I think um, this is something where I, with the AstraZeneca, especially given this information, I would be a little more more cautious. And if I had an alternative uh, readily available, definitely. But if I'm not getting another vaccine for months, knowing the risk of the short term and long term of getting COVID-19, I think the benefits outweigh the, outweigh the risk. Yeah, and I, I, obviously I would agree with you that the benefits outweigh the risk. I just think, I don't, for some reason, the idea of like getting a vaccine and then like getting a blood clot, like, I guess like, cause again, you can take precautions like against COVID-19 and like, we have been taking precautions against COVID-19, like wearing a mask, washing your hands, doing those things. You know, if I, I, I don't know why I have this feeling, but the feeling of like, 
willingly going somewhere to inject yourself with something and then you ending up with a blood clot when you could have gotten a different vaccine and, and the threat and the threat of that like the total threat of that would be gone away just feels like i don't know it, it makes me a little like like queasy i mean i think if, if you're someone who has to you know work and be exposed to people all the time which like again a lot of people yeah you know have to work on the front lines a lot of people you know are in that heightened risk of, of getting it and some people are you know have pre-existing health conditions that would make them more susceptible to severe illness and potentially death from COVID 19 um whether that be you know any kind of health thing or age then i think it makes more sense to get the astrazeneca uh, than you know waiting two three months but i will say for people under 30 you know uh, maybe, maybe as the UK is doing, be given a choice of an alternative if they have them, which in the UK, they'll probably, you know, switch to Pfizer and try to get that, but they're not nearly as readily available as the AstraZeneca. Um, so I guess I have a question for you. Do you think the United States should approve uh, AstraZeneca for use for emergency use? No, no, because right now they already have way more supply than they have people in the United States with the Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J. They don't need AstraZeneca. Uh, maybe in the beginning to, you know, mitigate some of these deaths, but at this point, especially given um, what's happening with blood clots, many of the vulnerable populations have been inoculated a much higher percentage than, like, you know, the younger under 30s who are more, you know, less likely to get really bad illness or death from COVID. So I don't think that the U.S. should approve it now. They or 20 million or something just sitting there and they were able to give some to our, you know, North American partners, which was, which was great. And, you know, at first they weren't going to do that. And, and then they did. So now I, I, the AstraZeneca vaccine should not be approved in the U.S. I think people were getting upset that the FDA didn't approve it. And maybe in the beginning, it would have helped their vaccine rollout. But at this point, with so many well, vaccines available, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's. I think the only, maybe the only debate is that the United States has, in a lot of wealthy countries, have been vaccine hoarding. And we have been particularly hoarding, I think, Moderna and Pfizer. So I, I guess maybe introducing AstraZeneca would free up some of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to go to other places. And especially because it does seem like the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are more effective against the South African variant in particular. You may be sending some of those vaccines to, you know, South well, Africa. Well, J&J too. J&J is very yeah. effective against South so, African so maybe variant. Sending, so maybe, you know, approving AstraZeneca gives, gets us to the point where we can actually afford to start sending some vaccines to countries that are proven to be more effective against, like, some of the new variants. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a bad idea. I mean, all of these states are, you know, they still have a ton of vaccines in, in supply. They still have a ton that are being delivered every week to the U.S. I, I don't think it should be approved. And I, and I, I think that could be more equitable, um, especially, sh you know, shipping some to places that are hit harder by the South African variant and the Brazilian variant, which is just decimating um, South America right now. So I, I think it would be worth worth talking about. I don't know if I have a right answer, but I think like this this far into the vaccination cycle and stage in the U.S., probably not.
So, I think that's it for our episode today, Con. We we definitely went over with the vaccine passports and the fourth search stuff. So next week, next week we'll we'll be talking about Joe Biden's radicalization and reimagining what would have happened if Joe Biden ran for president in 2016 and, and and won the nomination instead of Hillary Clinton. So that'll be a really interesting episode that um, Connor and I will have to you know kind of fictionalize and and imagine uh, what what would have happened and, and where we would be today. But, you know, Khan, do you have a, a last words for the audience? Uh, I apologize to Kroger's. <laughs> Everyone shop at Kroger's. For, for the seventh time, shop at Kroger's. Um, I think that my last words would be um, get your vaccine. And, you know, that's all we've talked about today. It is really important. It's it should be a civic duty. It, it's, it's as important as voting. Um, there are countries, I mean, there are states that have a great supply of extra vaccines available. Um, and, I, and I think it is an information problem. It's hard just Googling vaccine availability. And just the first thing that pops up is like a Walgreens or Hair Steeter or whatever that have less, like especially in North Carolina, if, if you Google any one of those, they'll probably be the first in the Google results and they're the least likely to have availabilities because everyone's doing that. I would try to go on Twitter and follow local reporters. Um, we have a guy named Joe Bruno here. I think I shouted him out last week um, who tweets all of the appointments in and around the greater Charlotte region. And he has helped so many people get vaccines in our area um, that otherwise wouldn't have been able to get it. So I think following research like resources like that and finding where like these lesser known pharmacies, these lesser known um, healthcare facilities, these mass vaccination events, finding where um, to actually sign up for those is crucial. And it's a crucial part of, of, of getting everyone vaccinated as quickly as possible. So definitely do some digging if you if you have the ability. Go go on Twitter. I know people are like, ah, Twitter is so evil and and Facebook and and you know, they do a lot of bad things. But in this case, Twitter has been an ecosystem for really good information and it's 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 gotten a lot of people vaccine appointments who otherwise wouldn't have it. So go onto these sites and and try to find information because it's real time it's not just lagging you know news article that's been posted two hours ago it's in real time and 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 can get you a vaccine appointment so that would be my tip as someone who has gotten most of my family members appointments and friends and co-workers to do that um and thank you all so much for listening to episode four of the green new podcast and we will be next back next week with a with another exciting episode thanks guys